Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Orchard TV. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Can you name the score of last year's Super Bowl, Tom? Ooh, boy. It's hard. I, I, I put you on the spot just because I was actually testing myself this morning, and I realized... 23 to 20? Yeah, that's right. Woo! You remember, we obviously remember the one before, 31 to 9, where we housed Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. Hey, man, that's going to make my day. No, I'm impressed with you remember 2320. I don't think I would have remembered 2320. I just pulled up the I couldn't remember uh the Kansas City San Francisco one. I mean, you know, I I knew Mahomes had obviously uh this is what his third Super Bowl that he's been to and and I thought, you know, the kind of career that he's building now and obviously if you are going to be one of these guys that is thought of as the all-time great or one of the five best, you got you got to cash in your opportunities. Tom Brady went to 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them. That is a big part of why that conversation begins with something along the lines of GOAT, right? Always. So any of these young superstars, really elite players, Patrick Mahomes is a superstar. He is incredible, the things he does consistently and has since basically day one. Got to cash these in. Got to make your mark here. Uh, and I was trying to see the score of the game that they did win, that he helped author, and that was, you know? 26? 31-20. Aww. Over San Francisco. And the forgotten Super Bowl was the one before that, which that was the... Rams-Patriots? Hideous. Was it 9-3? to 13-3. Now, 9-3 is better. It was awful. 9-3 to three awful, indicates... Awful, awful, awful. That one, uh, I turned away from it. I yeah. didn't. I didn't finish the job there. That was that a, was a terrible game. There was the McCourty deflection in the back of the end zone on Goff because mm-hmm. they had a breakdown, but he was late with the ball. That was that's the only thing I remember from that Super Bowl. That's it. Not another thing. Other than well, do you remember? I mean, can you believe it's been ten years since the uh, the blackout? I mean, thirty four thirty one Flacco led Ravens. That's a that's a that's a game. That was. That was Anquan Bolden on fourth down. He threw a one-on-one ball mm-hmm, to the right. Mm-hmm. And that game never would have been close if not for the blackout. If if they end up losing that game and San Francisco wins the Super Bowl. Comes back to do it, yeah. It's because of the miracle, the blackout miracle. But instead, Baltimore hangs on and a true knoll coming down with those hands that grind femurs to dust. Dust! If he wishes to do it. 
In Tampa, Florida, you'll recall a great game. Raymond James Stadium housed said game. But I bet you'll get this score right because it's one of our favorite Super Bowls, just given the amount of times we've talked about it. I, I just want to know, that, see if you get it right. Steelers-Cardinals. Uh, 38-35? No, 27-23. Yeah, no. There was great a, game. Yeah. That great, was, great that game. That was a very festive game. Oh, you had was, a good time. I with was that younger. Game. I was you had a good time. Much with that younger game. man. But I yeah. remember Larry Fitz breaking away up the middle for a touchdown. And I, I often say this anytime that game comes up. That is the greatest receiving performance I've ever seen in a Super Bowl in my life. Poor bastard. And nobody remembers it. Because it's also the two best throws in the back of the end zone. They were. And and also the play at half. The play at half. The Harrison. Oh, he's supposed 98 to blitz. Yeah. It's it's Lamarcus Joyner against Clemson. Mm-hmm. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it works. And the quarterback knows he's supposed to blitz, throws the ball. Hey, what are you doing there? You're supposed to be rushing me. And then Larry Fitz runs it down for 110 yards and yeah. nearly makes the play, which would have been a zero-point play. Yes. Instead, it's a touchdown it's an all time, time expired. It's an all-time moment wow. uh, in, in Super Bowl history. But what gets overlooked is, yes, listen, Big Ben's throw is unreal. Not once, but twice. That's a good catch, Antonio Holmes. That's a really yeah. good catch. That's a difficult catch. That's the you know one area in sport in general. I think dunking is probably another one. But evolution because of the inspiration of seeing that something's possible, like the toe drags, the body control, mm-hmm. then the uh, the Odell Beckham one-handed catch, which we had never seen before. Then you see five of them within not, the next not year. Not one that looked like that. That's the advent of the glove being what it is now, though. That's Yeah, yeah that's true, but you still got to go and do it. It's still not easy. No. Like, just the way that receivers, anytime that you see a oh, close yeah. play on the sideline, when I was growing up, it was he didn't catch that, and now every time we have to pause and say he might have, he might have got both feet down. Yeah, just amazing how much better, more proficient receivers are at that particular play. And Santonio San is emblematic at the highest level, the biggest moment. So this is interesting because when the Super Bowl comes around, it's more of a national celebration for a sport that we collectively love more than any other as a nation. Like this country loves football in a way that is. Uh, it, it's it's actually hard to fathom uh, because when the numbers come out of the top 100 viewed shows, f- football owns like 98 of the 100 spots. It's always over the top. So even though I root for a team that somebody else hates and I hate their favorite team, we all agree on this grand game that we like to watch, again, as a nation. So to me, the Super Bowl, unless my team's in it, like Director Matthews' team's in it, he's nervous right now. You and I just want to see a great game. When the Bucks were in it a couple years ago, I was like, okay, let's cash this in. This is the reason you anteed up. This is the reason that you're going to be in salary cap hell in a couple of years. This is why you went out and got Tom Brady and decided to pull the plug on Jameis Winston, who we love. All of that is true. And then it was evident early on, like, we're probably going to win this game. This yeah. is important. It was evident on Monday of that yeah. week. Yeah. This day, that week, we were like, yep. Mm-hmm. We felt good. I remember you, me, and Mario were all kind of like, yeah, I feel pretty good this about this. feels fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, well... The thing was, that was a fun journey to go on as a world champion, and you know it. We were the world true, champions world champion. together. Yes, we were. We earned that world championship. But I didn't really feel like there was anything to lose until Aikman goes, oh, as Scotty Miller's wide open before the second quarter ends. Oh, in the Green Bay game. In Lambeau. At yeah. that point, I thought we'd lose at Lambeau, probably. I didn't think we'd lose at Lambeau. When he makes that play, 
you're up so much now that it's real. Oh, there's something to lose now because the Bucks, even though they Green had Bay Tom fans Brady, have to hear you talk about that play and think to themselves, "I'm going to punch my testicles again." Right? How in the world do you let that guy get behind you on that play? It's mm -hmm. the only thing he can do is run fast straight ahead. He has no other route that he runs that's in any way and impressive. There's no there's no other play we would have been running. It's not like there there was film of that same throw yes. against the Raiders. That season, yes. there was that same throw against the Raiders, so you know it on film. Hey, don't let Ten's going to run by you. Don't all, let that's Ten all run he can, by you. All Miller can do is run fast, straight ahead. That's oh. all he's got. Oh, that, that's yeah. And it, I think it was just kind of that year because he hasn't been much since. He's good at doing. Well, the, he's always the, hurt. The X's for the eye black. That yeah. and running fast and drop and jumping for passes he doesn't need to jump for. That yes, yeah. he loves to jump. I'm like, why are we jumping, yeah. my man? We could be running in stride here. What are you jumping the for? The kid playing Madden who doesn't hit the catch button, he yeah. hits the leap button. It drives uh, me nuts. Yeah. He's forever jumping, and then it, and he's got to catch it down around his knees. I was like, that was in your chest. Catch the ball and run. But there was something to lose at that point, and because the Bucks were the attacker, even with Brady that season, because the offense was kind of a mess until, until late week the year. ten, week ten, then they turned it around. Yeah. Well, they started throwing the first down. We first guessed that. And too. then you held on the second half because Brady played a loser of a second half. Not a great second half. Not a great second half. And once he did it, I mean, it's a hell of a thing. Two Super Bowls in the last 20 years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Green Bay has had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for 30 years. Same amount of Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you like having your heart ripped out of your chest with hope going to the playoffs every year, you could call that more success. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well... Here's what I'm bringing this up for when we talk about the Super Bowl and the week of the Super Bowl and wanting great games and the celebration is that it's another reminder. I used to do this with my dad. He would reference games like NFL championships. <laughs> NFL championships. Yeah. So, look, the Super Bowl, the first one, Packers Chiefs, 35-10, Bart Starr is the star. It's 1967. Okay, that's the, that's the Super Bowl. So I'm not born yet, of course, all of that. But my dad would reference pre-Super Bowl stuff. And when I got to be of age to where I could appreciate a Super Bowl, so that would be 76, 77, 1976, 77, Tom. I have vague memories of Steelers, Cowboys, and I remember Lynn Swan. I can certainly remember, uh, hell, I can remember Bolitnikov and Raiders Vikings. I, I mean, so there you go. <laughs> You're laughing at me. You can remember Bolitnikov? Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember the Purple People Eaters? Yeah. It's outstanding. Yeah. So 1977 is Bolitnikov. You've got memories of them that look like they're in HD. I've got memories of Harvey Martin and Randy White and the Dallas Cowboys beating the Denver <laughs> Broncos. Who the hell is Harvey Martin? He was a superstar. Anybody listening to this that's in their 40s or above remember Harvey Martin. Now, Harvey Martin was a beast. I have never heard the name Harvey Martin come up on NFL Network. Harvey Martin and Randy White won co-MVP of the Super Bowl that year. Randy White? What was this, 1952? He's an all-pro. Randy White. Go look up some Randy. Educate yourself, Tom Lang. Randy White was an animal. 1978. Randy White played into the 80s. You, I know you weren't around. Randy, he was a star. Okay, so listen, the point is. Was he designing golf courses with A.W. <laughs> Tillinghast? <laughs> what I do is what you're doing. I used to sit there and say to my dad, what? Why a tittle, dad? Oh, Y.A. was a great player. 
And then, you know, he would be referencing these guys. You, you should have seen. And I'm like, oh, my God. You see Red Grange, Dad? Did you watch him? Skippy McLean? How was the Galloping Ghosts? When, well, what was his forte other than running? No, he, he would. Yeah, so I now do this with the Super Bowl. Because, think about it. The Super Bowl started in 1967. I can remember the 1970, I, I don't remember the Cowboys beating the Dolphins, which obviously I wouldn't remember because that was, I was, I was one. I think I was one when that happened. Uh, is that still, no, that's not. The Dolphins at that time, for the longest time, I'll have to look again. I, I'll go through, I have, I can click on this and see the scores. The Dolphins, when they lost to the Cowboys in 72, they, like, they beat the Redskins the next year in 73 to avenge that. But in 72, they lose to the Cowboys. They lost 24-3. to At the time, they were the first team to not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and they went on for ages to be the only team that did not amass a touchdown in their yeah. loss in the Super Bowl. And I would bring that up to my dad because it pissed him off to no end. And I'd be like, oh, I don't even know guys why you guys went. Didn't even score. Good God. And he'd get so mad I could see he'd be frustrated. But it's not long after that that I have very specific memories of the games, the teams, and the players. It's, it's Steelers-Cowboys in 77, 76-77. And then I can remember Cowboys-Broncos, as I just said. So, unfortunately for me, that is a mere 10 years after the Super Bowl began. Think about where we are now. How many Super Bowls? This is what, Super Bowl 57? I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. This is, so I've been watching 47 years of Super Bowls. <laughs> Both you gentlemen just gave me a look. <laughs> I just got a look. 46 years of Super Bowls I've been watching. You know, that that's alarming, and it's funny, but I think this is my 30th. I'll have to look it up. Is this the 30th anniversary of the 49ers beating the crap out of the Chargers? Because if it is, then it's 30 years of Super Bowl. 1995 was the 49ers Chargers ass kicking. Okay. So I'm not quite at my 30th yet. That'll be next year will be my 30th Super Bowl that I've watched. The Cowboys won three Super Bowls in four years. You don't remember the the two over the Bills prior to that 49ers Chargers? Steve Young won the MVP in 95. No, oddly enough... um, I only really watched Florida William State. Floyd was on that team. Florida State football, I watched more than the NFL until I was about eight years old. So, Let's yeah. play a little game here since we're having fun at my expense. Sure. If I name electricity if invented I, before no, or after no, your first if Super Bowl. I, if I name these players, these are the MVPs of so you know Terry Bradshaw, obviously. Mm-hmm. All right. So Bradshaw I try to win his money every week. Bradshaw, do you remember? Well, you know Lynn Swan because he became yeah. announcer. Lynn Dawson. Uh, <laughs> I did not see Lynn Dawson play. All right, that's a cheap shot. But I do remember Bolitnikoff, and I do remember Terry Bradshaw. Grover Cleveland Alexander. Jim Plunkett. I know the name. Sure. Jim Plunkett is mentioned all the time. All right, so I remember Jim Plunkett. <laughs> okay. I remember him winning the Super Bowl <laughs> against the Eagles in 1981. I was very happy for him. Uh you know, you know who John Riggins is? Yeah. The running back. Riggo, the fullback? Yeah. But you don't... You Washington. Never, but you never saw him play. Washington, right? Right. Yeah, no, I don't. I never saw him play, but I surely know who he but is. But you know who he is? Yeah. Richard Dent. Oh, I might get you on that one. Dickie Dent? No, Richard... <laughs> Nobody called him. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> no. Richard Dent? No, no. Well, he was part 
of the greatest defense to ever play. That was the Bears throttling the Patriots and Steve Grogan's crazy. He was on, at, wow, he was on the 85 Bears? Yeah, 46 to 10. Yeah. Richard Dent. He won the MVP. Yeah, the fridge scored a touchdown in that fridge, game. Yes, he did. You've seen the replays. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Do you remember? Now I'm we're getting to a point where maybe, where maybe I'm trying to find that place where you okay. recall watching a Super Bowl. This I'm, one's in Tampa. This is the famed no, Whitney Giants. Houston. Yes. Do you remember Otis Anderson? I remember Otis Anderson, and that's uh oh, what's the name of the kicker? Um Norwood. Scott Norwood. Mm-hmm. I don't. I did not watch that Super Bowl. To my well, you would have only now. been five, I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. So, so you, I might have. I might have been in the room. I'm actually. I'm sure I was. It's interesting. There are only a couple of times where the Super Bowl MVP would be somebody where you go, "Oh no, I don't know who that is." Like when I said Richard Dent, you, you know, it was before you were born. I could understand why you might not know who Richard Dent is. Yeah. Uh, Otis Anderson, you, you you've heard of oh, him because sure. you've seen highlights. Yeah. But there's a like Larry Brown. Do you remember Larry Brown? This is a Super Bowl you would have watched. It was in 1996. The Cowboys beat the Steelers, and Larry Brown won the MVP. He had two interceptions. He was he's a defense back for the, for yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I, I remember this Super Bowl distinctly because for some godforsaken reason, my parents decided that we we're going to go eat dinner out during the Super Bowl, and I kept on. This is how I knew what I was meant to do. I kept on going to the bathroom. <laughs> so I could walk by the bar. So I so you could watch so the I go, game. Well, yeah, go by the bar. My dad had to come get me. He's like, Thomas? And I think it was because if I can't watch it, then you can't watch it. I think that was what was going on. But the game was was a dud. That was Neil O'Donnell. Yeah. That was a dud of a game. It cracks me up. I'm looking at, yeah. There were a lot of duds in the 90s, though. Those Super Bowls were largely bad. Life Spectator. Jeff's dad remembers the Giants playing in the polo grounds. I'm sure he does. Yeah, and and I'm glad my man R. Wilmer remembers Randy White because he was a beast. Uh, That's the funny part about you and me is our dads are about 25 yeah. days apart yeah. in terms of their birth date, 1948 May, but it's about 25 days apart. What When's his birthday? The 4th? The May, 5th? May 8th. 22. My dad's the 30th. Yeah, May 8th. My dad went to Ebbets Field. He went to the polo grounds. He saw Jackie Robinson play in person. My dad watched Roberto Clemente play in person. <laughs> Throwing strikes, it's over. I mean, from right field. It's overdue. They're both military. It's overdue. These two guys need to get sit together down and, and have, have a, a talk about sports and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's. I am now feeling the 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 weight of that. There's a spinoff podcast that we could put on our network. Our, our two dads. dads, yeah, having yeah. conversations. I'm just the oddity of me watching Super Bowls now because this is the week where you'll watch every previous Super Bowl. The NFL Network does a great job. They'll have that'll all be mic'd up. And they'll go through and they'll have all of those players and, and you'll and for me, because I've been alive for and remember most all the Super Bowls, which does seem weird to Man. say. So you know yesterday they had it was bad because like yesterday obviously is one of the darkest Sundays of the calendar in terms of what's on television. It's the first one yeah, about I, the I NFL in a the long golf. time. Yeah, I just watched the golf. Well, it took forever for the golf, too. I mean, you could watch the end of the third round, but they didn't start till 5.30 in, in the final round last night. And on NFL Network, back-to-back, -back, yesterday in the morning, was the Cowboys-Steelers one, the Neil O'Donnell-Larry Brown game that you're talking about. Mm. And then the next one... Neil O'Donnell, sorry-ass yep. the Super Bowl. My goodness. I go away, I come back, I think I skip a year, which was a good game, those Patriots and uh, Packers. Um, I think I have the order of that right. But then... It was uh, 
the Broncos and the Falcons. Oh, so it might have been Broncos and, and Green Bay is what I skipped. 99 was Broncos. Yeah, Broncos Green Bay is what you skipped in 98, yeah, which was yeah. a great. This one's 31, for John. 24. That, that was, was a, yeah. unbelievable. Terrell Owens, yeah. Terrell uh, Davis. Yes, I said Terrell Owens. Sorry. Yeah, not Sorry, T.O. Terrell Davis. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I come back and it's Denver and Atlanta. Like, can we skip that on the, the greatest Super Bowls? 34 do, to 19. Do we have to? Uh, that wasn't that close. Is that bull- game wasn't that close. That was the final. I know, but I'm just saying. No, it was never close. You're right. Underrated Super Bowl is, uh, well, it's not underrated. It's still one of the best ones. Came down to the one-yard line. Rams-Titans 23-16 the following year. I had a hard time watching that just because of the circumstances by which we lost the NFC Championship game. Got screwed. That was a tough one. The Bird Emanuel rule. That's the Bird Emanuel rule. Sorry-ass Sean King. And I remember Derek Brooks was just breaking ribs, yeah, killing people. It was beautiful. I didn't think it was a Ricky Prohl that, that caught it. Yes, it was Ricky Prohl. I didn't Prohl. think he caught it, but he really did. He, he got did. his knee down. Wake Forest zone. 34-7 Ravens over the Giants. Ray Lewis, your MVP. That was a dominant, Whoa. dominant, dominant evil team. That also was in Tampa. Yes, it was. That was uh, the Trent Dilfer-led Baltimore Ravens. I remember they did this long skit in the pregame where it was Michael Strahan and Tony Saragusa, and they're supposed to be like mobsters. That was far more entertaining than the game that would follow. We should skip ahead to the Buccaneers knocking off the Oakland Raiders in a whitewashing in San Diego, California, which is in 2003, the year. Yeah. 02 season. Right? It's an early interception of Brad Johnson that yep. leads to a Jano field goal, and that was their only lead. And Dexter Jackson is your MVP. 48 to 21. Calling out the plays. I think they had three pick sixes in that game. Well, yeah, Derek Brooks had one of them. I just yeah, John, Dwight John, Smith. Dwight Smith, that's right. Dexter Jackson and uh, and John Lynch calling plays before they happened. And then the mic catching him on the sideline. I told you, Dexter. I told you. We should have showed Jimbo that film before we played Auburn. <laughs> Maybe we would actually boat race them. <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. And I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS 
Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. If, in fact, you are in need of air conditioning work, which, uh, you know, it's wintertime right now. Sometimes you're running the heater. Sometimes you got to flip back over. We have weird winters. Go from air conditioning to heat. Yeah, that's where we are for the next six weeks, I'd it's say. It's weird how that works, but you need to know that it works. Fair no heating and air conditioning, man. Unwavering supporters of the Jeff Cameron Show everywhere we've been. And uh, it is easy for me to tout their expertise, their excellence, their professionalism. We've used them both as a radio station um, out at our old towers at the old station. Um, day or night, call in an emergency, they were there. And that's true of my house as well as Tom's. Barano Heating and Air Conditioning. I was at uh, a really desperate place with a little bit of a leak in the garage because we have a, a unit up there in the attic. At least uh, one of the devices for the runoff. And I thought it was going to be a humongous bill. Guy gets up there, he comes back down, and you just wince. You're like, mm, ready okay. for it. Yeah. All right, yep. hit yep. me. Yep. It'll be uh, 75 bucks for the check. We just nice. had to unload something. Oh. And they could have taken me. I done. wouldn't have known. They could have said, you got to replace the whole damn thing. Well, if they were, you know, if they weren't who they are, that's right. I would have been out a couple thousand dollars. That's like mechanics. More. It's like the, the Fletch scene. You could just tell me it's all ball bearings. I wouldn't know. Yep. Yeah, sure thing. Whatever. Johnson rod's broken, huh? Hmm. Okay. What's that going to run me? <laughs> just like you can say what? I mean, that's the worst. I hate that feeling. 22 grand. Oh, hmm. really? I'll just get a new car. A.J. Green has announced his retirement today. Seems about right. Uh, he said, I've never been a man of many words, so I'll keep this short. Thank you. Thank you to all who have supported, encouraged, and inspired me throughout my career. Special thanks to the University of Georgia, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Arizona Cardinals for the opportunity to pursue my dreams. I've stayed true to the game, and it owes me nothing. Be blessed. Love you all. The next chapter begins. Bravo, A.J. Green. 34 years old, nine seasons for the Bengals, and began his career with five consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. And obviously not the player he once was, but uh, that's a that's a career well played. Also, Jeff Cameron Show PR firm approves of that exiting strategy or that exit strategy. Well done, sir. Get in, get out. Never been a man of many words. Keep it short. Thank you. Thanks to all who have supported, encouraged, inspired. Special thanks to the University of Georgia, Cincinnati, and the Arizona Cardinals who gave me the opportunity to pursue my dreams. That is also a nonsense uh, now in retrospect. It always it always was. It was even in the moment. Suspension of A.J. Green. Do you recall at Georgia that he was suspended, I believe, for either a half or a full game for selling some of his own equipment? Yeah. I think I that do was distributed that. to him. It might have been cleats or gloves. I forget what it was. Think about Ohio State situation. But he threw it on eBay. It's it's akin to that. He threw his own stuff on eBay that was given to him by the football program, and he was suspended for it. In this day and age, I mean, it just would never happen. No, the things that teams and programs used to get in trouble for, players included, uh, obviously seem 
antiquated to say the least anymore. When you read, I mean, go back to the 80s and early 90s and look at some of the things that people got in trouble for and then what we now have in terms of paying players. But that is all born out of uh, those policies that were a little over the top and didn't allow for players to have jobs, for example. Oh, it's more than I thought. It was four games for selling a jersey to someone who qualifies as an agent. It was his Independence Bowl jersey. Uh, mm. I'd sell that too. Yeah. For a grand. For $1,000. Seven Pro Bowls. Finished his career with uh, over 10,500 plus yards. 70 career touchdowns. It's got to be, you know, so this news comes the same day that Tom Brady announces he's going to start with Fox Sports in 2024. So, you know. Uh, my guess is that uh, Tom didn't want that year or two away from the game to kind of figure out who he is. <laughs> well, he gets one, 24? Yeah. So he gets one season. He said today on The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Of course he did. Uh, well, it's Fox. That's great for me. Take some time to really learn. Be great at what I really want to do and becoming great at thinking about the opportunity and making sure I don't rush into anything and I learn the ropes. I think when people really bet on me, uh, one thing about my career, whether it's when I was drafted by the Patriots or signing as a free agent with the Bucks, I want to be fully committed. I would never want to let people down. That's my biggest motivation. All right, well, we'll see. Let's see if he's capable. The whole thing, we've already said it, and I don't, you know, say whatever he's going to say, but the whole thing is can you sit up there and criticize? When it's necessary. That's the whole thing. There's nobody with more clout in the history of the game, at least on offense, to do just that than Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, it, can you see something in which a quarterback makes an obvious mistake, wrong read, poor decision, late with the ball coming out, whatever it might be, can you say it? And then can you tell us why? And then go from there. I mean, I, the, the, a lot of guys, they either fail or succeed on that very basic premise. Can you do that now? I think that the, the the need a lot of players have, and I get this too, is especially when you're freshly removed from the game and you played against or with all of these guys. But even, even if you're going to tastefully go down the road of, look, it's hard to criticize players knowing how much work they put in, knowing how hard they have to prepare and how how dedicated they are to their craft, right? So players will say that. I've heard countless players who – have admitted that that was the biggest adjustment, that you get into the booth and now it's incumbent upon you to be critical of guys that you know, in many cases, have put in the time, put in the effort, done everything they possibly can. They, nobody wants to win more than those guys. Nobody sacrifices more than those guys do for the craft, right? You still have to be able to say, that was dumb. This is a mistake. Here's the reason they did this. But there's a way to say it without it being personal. And that's the whole key. As long as it's not personal, nobody can get mad. Nobody can get mad. You can be Well, critical. they can, but they won't have a right to. They won't. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, again, we talk about those that have been really good at it in any sport. We bring up Johnny Miller because he was one of the best. He said maybe twice in his career that he went back and later on apologized to a player because he felt guilty. He thought he crossed that line. He, one of the players, I can't remember who it was, he thought he said he wanted to throw up when he saw his swing. It sounded very personal. I think it was Ian Woosman. Oh, Woosman? Yeah, he said he said that swing made him want to throw up. It was one of the worst swings he'd ever seen. And then he thought better of it afterwards. Like, that seems a bit, 
It's a pit. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a pit bull. It's not though. It's not. It's like, really not. It's not right. Jim Furyk's swing sucks. He just squares the club face <laughs> yeah, at impact. So yeah. you could say like, I can't watch Jim Furyk swing club. He's really good at golf. Everybody, obviously. <laughs> He's really good at the game. It's just that watching that swing is aesthetically displeasing. You know, if he, if he kept on doing it, like watching Zalatoris hit a two-foot putt, he goes, oh, yeah. as he's hitting it every time, <laughs> that might be a little much, even though that's what we do at home. Oh, geez, Jim, I just need, I need a I moment. I can't watch I these I can't things. do it. Jim, let me know. I'm closing my eyes. The thing with Zalatoris is he finished last year in the top 40 in putting. Oh, he did. He's like, you guys can suck but it. It doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that he's doing <laughs> an <old>. e-signature <laughs> as he's pulling the putter back. Right. It's the same as watching Furyk swing a full swing. with a, You're like, what? You're doing the helicopter up top. What are we doing up there? This is unsettling. <laughs> but does it really matter? You could... Go in a circle and do whatever you want to do. You put a terrible towel up yeah. there. <laughs> as long as you square the club face at impact. Now, I'm curious to see if Brady is anything but boring. Because he strikes me as incredibly boring. It's going to have to be sarcastic, dry humor that most of America won't get, but he could do it. You know, like once upon a time when he said, take a suck of that, Chuck. Which is funny. Which was out of nowhere. That means he's got it. Oh, well. He doubt that, yeah, that he's fiercely competitive. That's why that came out. He was one to win. But the synapses will fire well, he, in the trash talking department, yeah. which you could you could use that and harness it into the analysis game. Fox did not disclose terms of Brady's deal, but the New York Post reported already that it was a 10-year, $375 million contract, the most lucrative in sports broadcasting history. Which is also more than he made in his playing days. Now, he took a lot of pay cuts willfully along the way in order to, yes, to have, have the a roster. Yeah, have a roster, right. But he made less than 375 in playing since 1942, a quarterback in the NFL. So what are they going to do with Olsen, who I think is great? Could make it a three-man booth. No, I don't think they'll do that. Burkhart's good, but that's a that's a that's tough. Could be a, a big year for Olsen, and he says, look, if you guys are going to bump me, then let me go somewhere else and be the one. Yeah, I think CBS is looking for somebody. That's probably gonna how, how it's gonna have to be. By the way, so for Brady, you'll have to get used to this because it for three hundred seventy five million dollars, it can't just be on Sundays that he's there uh, as a color analyst, and it's not because if you go down and read the rest of the CEO uh, commentary from Fox, uh, Lachlan Murdoch, quote, he'll be an ambassador for the network and focus on client and promotional initiatives. Yeah whole lot of conventions in which he's paid handsomely to speak at and every shake junket hands. in the world yes that's correct it's jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio and war champ tv passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply I got Betty's arms 
Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Looking forward to uh, sitting down and talking with you, Tom, along with uh, Ira and Corey, and we'll have an opportunity to discuss uh, Florida State baseball. That'll be a video that'll be coming your way on War Chant TV soon. Also, Wednesday, I am sitting down with the head coach, Mike Norvell, to talk Florida State football, and I look forward to doing that. It's been, uh, it's been a minute since we just had a little conversation. Look forward to the meetup that we have in a little bit for baseball. It, you got to turn. You got to flip that switch. And I found it interesting, Link Jarrett's comments in his uh, first, what would you call it? It's not spring training, like a winter training mm-hmm. interview mm-hmm. with the press. Practices, yeah. They don't have all the answers yet, and he's not afraid to say that. They don't know what they want to do with the staff yet, and they're looking for answers in the infield in terms of who can be reliable at each position. They've got enough talent to, to do it. And it sounds like the at the plate won't be as big of an issue, but he's trying to figure out the squad on the fly here a little bit, as everybody's doing, especially in your first year. I think, though, that he is so detail-oriented that he'll get the most out of this team. So that that's all you can ask for in year one. You know, obviously you're going to go now and recruit and try to bring in guys that you discover that, play the brand of baseball you want to see played and you know there are indicators from you know your your ability to scout those players that they'll fit in nicely he is inheriting this group so it's a little bit more difficult because you have to you have to make them fit into what it is you're trying to do even though you didn't recruit them and you didn't get a head start on them they're not however and do not mistake that they're not devoid of talent there is talent there. Um, some of the, we can, I mean, I don't want to relitigate all of this, but the problems that the program had a year ago, two years ago, under Mike Martin Jr., really didn't center around uh, talent level. It had to do with them not getting the most out of the talent and also the the consistent mistakes that seemed of the fundamental variety. And I think part of this year's process is how to integrate those guys into one puzzle that that puts them in the best position. That's what any staff does any year, whether or not it's your first on campus or it's your fifth running a program. But then also, how much do they have to unlearn about the old ways before they can learn the way that Link Jarrett wants to see an approach at the plate, an approach on the hill to 1-1 count? Does he look at it differently? Does he want you to have more pitches? at your disposal or would he rather you whittle it down to two really good ones and you know all those kinds of things you got to unlearn there's a there is that that was what was so hard beyond the culture part for Mike Norvell is you're taking on a football program that has seen so much change at the head coach level but more so at the coordinator and position coach level over the previous three years everybody's giving you a different message so you have to unlearn yeah, a whole bunch true. of stuff, and you're setting your ways. So that's I think that's going to be the bump in the road early in the schedule is just, all right, I've taught you it. You've nodded in meetings, but now here I we are on the field. It. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because I think positionally he's, he's got some talent there. He's going to be able to, to, to mold pretty quickly. He himself said most recently that it's the pitching staff that he's a little worried about right now. He said they're not there. I'm paraphrasing. He went on to say that you know there's some some depth concerns that he has with the pitching staff that they have fewer arms than he arms than he's experienced in the past um, in terms of sheer numbers of pitchers and so yeah I mean I think he 
slightly concerned about that. But again, I, I, one of the things to note here, if you are able to get guys to play smart and play hard and do things that are fundamentally sound, which is you know kind of the emphasis here early on, getting these guys to pick up the baseball, to run the bases, to have a smart approach at the plate, to you know put the ball in play. If some of these just fundamental, like it sounds like we're teaching little league baseball, but we all watch this program's demise over the last, and I say demise, it's not like the football program going five and seven or couldn't compete. They still competed and they still made postseasons. And they, I mean, hell, we even had that magical run in which you went up to LSU and swept that team. And it's one of the more tradition laden places in all of baseball, difficult places to play, went out to the College World Series in Omaha. So again, it was not as if it fell off a cliff, but things were not operating to peak efficiency, and that's fair to say. But even in the midst of those postseason runs that made you proud uh, and saw you achieve, they didn't play real smart. They didn't pick up the baseball. That's not an opinion. You can go look at the numbers. They did not field the ball well. They ran the baseball like children. I mean, they ran the bases like children. And that drove me nuts. Watching that seemed so... It countered everything I had watched Eleven do throughout the course of his career. So it broke my heart to see at the end of his career that things had kind of gone south in that regard because I was fortunate enough early on in my career to go out there and watch baseball practice and to see the way that he coached the game, to see the way the junior coached the game, and to know what they believed in and how they taught it. And to see that wane, there was a disconnect for whatever reason. And Again, I don't want to get into this again, but there was a disconnect and it stopped it, it didn't consistently happen the way that it ought to. I think at the very least that he's going to be able to establish that again. Yeah, I agree. It, it, I mean, they're not, again, they're not devoid of talent. They'll get to baseballs. They'll pick up said baseballs. They'll run the bases smart. I Yeah, I, I think you could coach them to be in the position to go make those plays. Confidence is part of it. We yeah, talk about we that. We talk about confidence a lot, yeah. And you got to you got to break them and rewire them. It just, Link strikes me as a, as a type of coach who wants to break you down to build you up. That just, just the intensity with which he conducts a press conference. Have I seen any of those uh, practices and the way he, he coaches? No, but I mean, you could tell that he's, he's an intense man. He's got a standard that he wants the group to live up to, and he's going to coach to that standard. It's great. Meat was really, really wound tight, so it's not like that's a complete deviation. You're not going to a complete players coach here, but you got to rewire these guys in your own mold. Now, I think in baseball it might be a little bit easier because you're doing it on individual levels. So if you have mm -hmm. in a lineup, if you can rewire six guys, you're off to a really good start. In football, if that kid at right at left guard doesn't take the message, the whole play could be blown up because of him. But if it's one batter at a time and you like everything about the top end of your lineup, you're good there. You got most of the guys out in the field that you like, but first base is going to be a bit of an issue. All right. All right. That's okay. I can work around that. As long as I like what I have second, short, and third. So I just feel like you're going to see little weird things pop up early in the season. And go, oh man, that's rough because of the growing pains. I might be overly optimistic. I'm going to admit to that now. I'm going to let you in on my mindset with this team. I think they're going to be good. I just I think they're going to be a good baseball team. I thought they had the makings of being a real good baseball team the last two years, and that it all fell apart. I thought they had clubhouse issues. I think there were things behind the scenes that led to a breakdown in culture. I think that that the real problem for Florida State baseball had less to do with talent and more to do with the off-the-field stuff that bled onto the field. 
The things that were taken onto the field were things that were affected by the stuff that was happening off the field. And that was one of the reasons that I was not surprised that a change was made. That A, you had an opportunity to get a guy who had just taken Notre Dame into Knoxville, knocked off Tennessee in an historically great season for Tennessee, did the world a favor by ousting those punks. And it was beautiful to watch because they played with great confidence. They played smart and they were able to endure a very hostile environment and, and come out the other side. I think, I think that's who link is. Yes. He built that program as a lot of coaches do in their own image. If you will, the way that they view the game, the way that they teach the game, the that's way that like they Dabo go about- did it in Christ's image. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think these things, I, I think he'll be able to quickly connect with this group and that they'll be pretty relieved that this clubhouse environment is very different than it was a year ago. Again, I, I, they were not talentless. They had guys who began to decline as the course of the year went on, and I think a lot of it had to do with they lost confidence because of mistakes that were made early and then you know the pressure to write it compilation of those things and next thing you know you've got a terrible clubhouse environment and a lot of guys second guessing their decision to be here you have much more experience with the game of baseball insofar as you've seen your young children especially Bryce play it and and so you've seen it at the youth level obviously you've been here forever watching the college product and then you've, yeah. you're a lifelong baseball fan right I like the college product I really love the national I mean obviously the major league baseball product yeah the one thing that I can tell Mets have had a lot of managers in my lifetime, a lot of them, is when you have a role, there is no sport that's more role-oriented. And, and you see a jump in culture and confidence when a role is created mm-hmm. than baseball. It's like, all right, you're the seventh-inning guy. This is what you, you know, do, Out of the yeah. bullpen. You're the eighth-inning guy. You're our lefty specialist. You're our closer. You're going to be the guy. And then the same thing on the bench. All right, we're platooning with you two. <laughs> you're going to have to get along with each other. We're platooning. If there's a lefty on the hill, you might come in to pinch hit for me, but you're not going to play the first five, six innings. Sorry, you didn't earn the ability to start and hit against both sides on the mound. That's the thing where I think, I, I, it just when I hear Link speak early on, he doesn't have all those roles carved out yet. I agree with you. If and when they get there and everybody knows where they belong, I think you can see a group go grow together fast because they're all pissed off. They're all furious. They know they're better than their record shows. They know that. Well, and, and so you'll you'll assimilate quicker when you're pissed off and you and you're motivated to get better. I hope so. I certainly think that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every reason to be play with a chip on their shoulder. I will say, Tom, that in college baseball, roles aren't as big a deal as in professional baseball, if only because the season is nowhere close to as long as 162 games. They matter. Yeah, but but some of these guys are more malleable because you're playing a 50-game season. I agree, but this is where the pitching staff comes in. He doesn't know what he wants to do yet, Friday through Sunday. That's and, okay. and it all trickles down from there. you got to figure that out. Well, they're going to have to be tougher, too. They're going to have to be mentally tougher on the mound. You had some guys. That... Yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that happens. I hope it does. Good work out of you, man. Good work to Director Matthew, and our thanks to all of you. Be well. We'll be with you tomorrow. Peace.